All right, take your Bibles this morning and turn to Colossians. We were there last Sunday, and uh, we'll be here again this Sunday as well. And we start part three of our series of Battle for the Home. Two weeks ago, we talked about the kingdom man. Last week, we talked about the kingdom marriage. And today, I want us to talk about the kingdom family. The kingdom family. Colossians chapter number 3, verses 20 and 21. Just two short verses this morning. Colossians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Scripture says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Lord, I ask today as we gather around Your Word, we thank You, Lord, for the precious Word of God. Lord, we, we, we believe that it is 100% accurate. We believe it is without error. Father, we believe this is the blueprint for life. This is God's love letter to mankind. And today, Lord, may You help us to have kingdom-focused families. That we would have gospel-centered families. Father, we need those today. Would you help us through your word in Jesus' name? Amen. There was a pastor who was preaching a series just like kind of like I am on the family. And when he's uh, earlier in his life, when he didn't have any children, he said, I want to bring a message entitled Ten Commandments for Raising Children. And a couple of years later, when he had children, they were toddler age and early elementary age, he said, I want to preach a sermon series this morning called Ten Suggestions for Raising Children. And then when those children got teenage years, he just didn't preach it at all. <laughs> Let me share with you an illustration this morning. I'm going to ask Elizabeth, and of course you'll have to bring your uh, Jolie with you to describe families uh, today, if she'll sit right there, that'll be great. Come here. When, when a husband and wife come together in marriage, hold my hand, act like, act like you love me. And uh, in marriage, you, you come together and you form what? The bond of love. And you become one. So you go through life. This is as much dancing as you're going to get from me in a Baptist church. You go through life and things surround yourself, but you're still together. Then what happens, children come. Look at here, perfect timing. Come on, John Michael. As children come, you put them in the center of who you are. Now hold my hand, Elizabeth. Everything revolves around your kids. Life changes. And as you, we're not going to do a circle, but you can imagine how life, everything centers around children. And we have one more, and he's way up there in the balcony. I'm going to ask him just to stay up there. But because, because your life is centered around your kids, and kid life is extremely busy, what happens is, is that there's a break between the husband and wife because everything is centered around your kids. What ha needs to happen is, Jolie, come over here. Jolie, John Michael, stand over here. You. You're not born yet. <laughs> is when you get married, you have Jesus in the center of your marriage. So that when kids come, you don't put them in the center you put them in the circle. And as another child comes, you put them in the circle. So no matter how big your circle is, it just continues to get larger, but Jesus always remains the center and your circle never breaks. 
And that's what a kingdom... Thank you so much, Elizabeth, Jolie, and John Michael. In case you didn't know, Joel is up there. He is uh, six. He's in kindergarten. But Jesus has to be the center of your family. Marriages are struggle today. In the first five years of your marriage, that's when a lot of marriages break down. And you know what the number two... Uh, year or years when marriages break down between 18 and 22. Why in the world would someone who has been married for 18 to 22 years end up in divorce? I can tell you why. That's when the kids leave the house. And you have built your family all around kids. So when kids leave, there's nothing left. And a lot of times it ends up in a broken marriage. So whatever your status here today, some of you are young families that are here today, parent, young, young couples, and it's so great to see so many of you here that are here today. Some of you are in the grandparent stage. Some of you are in the, the single mother stage. You may uh, be divorced. Whatever it is, I want you to listen this morning because wherever you're at in life, widows, widowers, senior adult, all of us are around people that we can show the world what it means to be a godly Christian parent. So this, going back up to the Scripture, the Bible says in verse number 20 that children obey your parents in all things. And all the parents said, Amen. For this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Alright, so let me share with you a couple of things. And the outline is lengthy this morning. But I want you to, to, to take notes if you can, just to kind of see uh, what the Scripture lays out when it comes to a kingdom Family. The first one is this. Let's, let's look at the role of a child at home. What does the Scripture say regarding the role of a child at home? The Bible says, children, obey your parents in all things. So the role of a child at home is obedience. It is Obedience. It is biblical, children, if you're under, under the, 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 the roof of your parents, to obey your children. It's not just some idea that your family or your mom or your dad is, is putting upon you. It is biblical in nature. Children, obey your parents. The role of a child at home is obedience. So let's look and let's see what, let's see what this word obedience means. Let's define what this word means. You remember last week we looked at the word submit, that a wife is to submit to her husband. It means two things, valuable and volunteer. But this morning, this word is different. It does not mean submit. It means two things. Number one is the word authority. The word obedience means to listen under. It means to listen under your parents. Obedience begins with Listening. Ephesians 6 verse 1, the Bible says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Exodus 20 verse 12, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. So as a child today, the first rule of obeying your parents is to recognize that your parents are the ones that are in authority. They are the, 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 the leaders of your home. The husband being the head of the home, the mom who joins in the parenting. They have children, and children are to obey the Lord. So authority. But the second word is the word attitude. When the Bible says, children, obey your parents. Now look at the next phrase. It's a small 
uh, prepositional phrase, in all things. Not just authority, but also attitude. That's why I love how the Scripture says, He doesn't just say obey your parents, but it says in everything. In all things. Is, are there exceptions? Of course there are. We're never to go against Scripture. We are to follow God uh, in all things. We're to never go against Scripture to obey anyone. Nor must we sin or do anything irrational or harmful to us or anything, anyone else in carrying out parental, parental obedience. Parents, don't make your kids follow you if you're asking them to sin. And parents, don't sin... And expect your kids not to do what you're doing. It's not the old slogan, I want you to do as I say, not do as I do. You are the example. And children will obey what you are doing. So it's the attitude behind it. Instead, we have a simple and powerful command to all children to truly, from the heart, obey your parents. Neglect of this command will bring you great sorrow. If not now, then surely later in life. But if obeyed, it brings fullness. Now, I know what you're thinking, young people today who are still living at home. And by the way, everybody sitting in here has been in the same shoes as you are. You think your parents have no clue what they're doing. You think your parents have no idea what they're doing. You think your parents are, are some of the non-smartest people in the world. I thought that once. And then when I got in my 20s, I realized my parents were some of the smartest people that's ever been on this planet. And you will too if you listen to your parents. It's a position of authority, but it's also an attitude from every child. That's the meaning. Now let's look at number two. You know what it means. Now let's give you some motivation. Everybody loves motivation. You want something that, that will help you to obey. You're, you're living at home, child. You say, Brother John, I'm just really struggling in this obedience part. What, what does the Bible say? What can I do that will just motivate me more than, you know, the B-E-L-T? Something else that helps. The motivation for obedience. Number one is that you live the gospel. Look at what the scripture says back up in verse 20. Children, obey your parents in all things. Now here it is. For this is well-pleasing to who? To the Lord. To the Lord. That's why the, the motivation to obey your parents is that you are simply living the gospel. Because when you obey mom and dad, you obey the Lord Jesus Christ. You are well-pleasing to the Lord. The Bible says in Hebrews that you cannot please the Lord. The Bible says without faith it's impossible to please Him. But what you need to do is to live the gospel, to live the faith life. Therefore, you will please the Lord. You please Christ by obeying your parents. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 2 says this, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy. Romans 1 verse 30 says, Backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedience to parents. Disobedient 
to parents is a mark of ungodliness. Obedience to parents is a mark of godliness. Parents, you have to be real careful when you have children living at home and expecting them to live like Christ. It's impossible if they don't know Christ. So you have to be careful when you have a young child especially and you hear a message like this and you go home and you say, I don't know why in the world my child does not obey me. I try to give the right authority. I try to set the right attitude for him. If they're not saved, they don't know how to please God. So your prayer is not just to teach them to obey. Your prayer is, God, save my child. Save my child at the earliest age possible where they know what sin is. They can repent of their sins, turn from their sins, and trust in Jesus and begin to walk with Jesus. Then and only then can they understand what it means to obey truly and to please the Lord Jesus Christ. So not only is it living for the gospel, but number two, it's living for growth. Assign young people, if you're born again, if you know the Lord, that you're growing in your walk with Christ, is that you obey mom and dad. For some, you say, well, Brother John, I, I witness, I wear my Christian t-shirt, I talk about Jesus, I'm in church, I do all this and all this, but there's a problem at home, then there's still a problem in your Christian life. Obedience, a sign of obedience, is that you're living not only for the gospel, but you're growing in your walk with Christ. Ephesians 6 verse 4 says, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Parents, what you're building today is not a son to carry on your name. You're building a son or a daughter to carry on the name of Jesus. Be more proud of that. Not that your name is carried on, but the name of Jesus is carried on every single day. You are building a kingdom child. You are building a child who wants to make a difference, not in the world, but a difference for Jesus Christ in a lost and dying world. You are building children who are growing in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Near the beginning of 2005, there was... Uh, Chinese officials from the Public Security Bureau burst into a church. There was in a local church, they found 30 children inside having Sunday school, and they, they uh, arrested them or, or, or herded, herded them into a van. Despite the scary situation, one child started to sing. In a few moments, the entire van was singing. They get to the jails or get to the police station, pardon me, and the children march bravely into the interrogation room, still singing to the Lord. The Chinese officers attempted to force the children to write, I do not believe in Jesus, telling them that they had to write it a hundred times before they would be released. Instead of obeying, the children wrote, I believe in Jesus today, I believe in Jesus tomorrow, and I will believe in Jesus forever. The Chinese officials didn't know what to do, so they called their children's parents, some of them who would deny Christ. However, one widowed believer absolutely refused to deny Jesus when she came to pick up her twin sons. The officer threatened her, saying, If you do not deny Jesus, we will not release your sons. The widow replied, Well, I guess you'll just have to keep them. Because without Jesus, there would be no way for me to take care of them. 
the Chinese officials were taken back and they end up releasing all of the children to go home. Parents, your children are not only living for the gospel, but they're living for the growth in the Lord Jesus Christ. The best thing you'll ever teach your child and as a parent, you teach your children, and man, it brings such encouragement when you teach them how to throw a ball, and you teach them how to catch a ball, and you teach them how to, how to, how to, how to, how to uh, uh, throw a football, when you teach them how to build something, when you, when you, when you teach them how to, how to cut the grass, all those things that you're excited, teach them how to fish, teach them how to hunt, whatever is going on in, in your world, in your home, but the best thing you will ever teach your child is how to live like Jesus. And they'll live like Jesus as an example for what you are doing when it comes to your walk with Christ. See, the pressure is not on your child. The pressure is on mom and dad. So let's look at number two. Let's look at the role of a parent at home. The role of a child is obedience. Number two, the role of a parent at home is development and encouragement. The role of a parent at home is development and encouragement. Look at verse 21. The Bible says, Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Now the Bible specifically directs its attention to fathers. And I understand that. But I'm just going to use the word parent. You may be in a single family home today and I don't want you to check out because you may be a mother, a single mother. But the Bible does specifically call out fathers and I want to use the parent in general. The role of a parent at home is development and encouragement. So let's look at the, what the word, the Bible says, do not provoke your child. What does the word provoke mean? The meaning of provoking is two things. Number one, it means to put one down. To put a child down. It means to irritate one's children either by nagging or deriding them. It means to, to put them down. The Bible says, fathers, do not put your children down. That's what the word means. And the second word that it means, not only is it to put one down, but the second uh, definition is to, is to portray only discouragement. Parents, sometimes the only words that come out of your mouth directed to your children are words of discouragement because you don't agree with what your child has done. And if that's all that they are here, all that they're hearing, then you are provoking your children. The Bible says here, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Let me share five or six steps that will guarantee that your children become discouraged. Okay, I'm going to flip the, the coin. Not, here's how to encourage your child. I'm going to do that in just a second. Here are five or six steps. I think, I think there's seven of them that will guarantee that your children will live in a life of discouragement. Number one is to discipline your child only when you lose your temper. Let him get away with everything. Then without warning, let him have it. Blow your top off, scream and yell, let her rip, go crazy. That's the way to let your child know who's really in control around here. <laughs> Number two, give your child everything she wants right away. 
Don't make him or her earn it. Gadgets, toys, video games, designer clothes, cars, good old cash, all of these make a great substitute for your love and attention. Listen to this. And don't worry, it won't take long for your child to prefer stuff you provide over spending time with you. Number three, as often as possible, compare your child to someone else. A brother, a sister is usually the best choice. Statements like, why can't you be like Johnny? Are sure to spur your child on to success. Now remember, we're, we're looking at the other side of the coin. How to discourage your children. Number four, don't let your child suffer the natural consequences of his actions. If your child gets in any sort of trouble, jump right in and make a lot of excuses for him. Argue with his teachers, blame his friends, leave the church, sue the school, but don't let anyone hold your child accountable. If you don't come to the rescue every time, your child might develop respect for authority. And where will that get him in life? Number five, don't waste time listening to your child. Jump down her throat, his throat, as often as he or she opens her mouth. After all, you already know everything he or she's going to say, right? Besides that, if, you, if you're understanding and reasonable, she might start wanting to talk things over with you, and that would never do. Number six, treat your child with constant suspicion. Expect the worst. Classic comments like, can't you do anything right? Or you'll never amount to anything can save your child from aiming too high in life. And then number seven, if your child does anything wrong, never let them forget it. Keep rubbing it in. Keep it on file to pull out at an opportune time. If you're good at this, you can develop a long list and have it ready to pull out every single chance you get. Some of those are humorous. But they're often very true in the life of parenting. The Bible says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. So, parents, let me share with this closing your, your motivation. If you're like me in the middle of raising children, you're either going to do two things. Number one, your hair is going to fall out naturally. Or number two, you're going to pull your hair out. And sometimes you sit up at night as your children are sleeping and you're wondering, Lord, how in the world are you going to make it? What's wrong with my child? Why won't he or she listen? What's happening at school? What's happening on the ball field? What is the, the motivation behind parenting? I'm going to close with some of these statements. Number one, and I think the most important aspect the, important, the most important thing you can do for your children is listen to them. Listen to them. An often quoted survey says that fathers spend an average of 37 seconds a day with their children. Listening will cause your child to feel important Children who are not listened to may give up trying to communicate and become discouraged, shy, and often withdrawn. That's why the Scripture says, lest they become discouraged. And one of the ways to not provoke your children is to listen to them. There was a psychologist who tells a story 
of visiting his middle son's nursery school class. These were a little bit older. At the request of his teacher, this, this, this dad came. She, the teacher wanted him to observe a problem child in the class. And while he was there, he caught a conversation between his son and some other boys. The conversation went something like this. Child number letter A. My, my daddy is this type of person. He makes lots of money. We have a swimming pool. Child B, my daddy is this type of person. He flies to Washington. He talks to the president. Child C, my daddy does this type and we have our own airplane. And this person who is a psychologist, his boy spoke up and said, my daddy's here. And he proudly looked at his father's direction. Dad's your presence means more than anything else to your children. More than your money, more than your position at work, more than the toys that you buy them. Your time means more to them than anything else because it says, I care about you. Fathers, listen to your children. Mothers, listen to your children. Number two, avoid overprotection. That's right, avoid Overprotection. Can you do too much? Yes. Overprotective parents never allow their children any liberty. Parents say no to virtually anything and everything. They have strict rules about everything, no matter what their children do. Overprotective parents do not trust them because nothing they do earns their parents' trust. Children begin to despair and may believe that how they behave is irrelevant. This often leads to rebellion. Parents must provide rules and guidelines for the home, but it must not come from a noose that strangles them. We say no to things because of safety, morality, or health, but overprotective parents sometimes rebel reveal a lazy approach to raising children. All you do is say no to everything. And oftentimes when they turn 18 and they go to college, those that have been most overprotective are the most rebellious when it comes to college because they don't know what freedom is. They don't know what liberty is. They don't know what it means to make choices. And because they haven't been, 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 been disciplined to, to, to be encouraged when times that they fail, that, excuse me, they don't know what to do when they get to college. So avoid overprotection. But then number three, avoid criticism. This one's huge. Avoid criticism. Discipline is a must, but so is encouragement. I read a story. Anybody can be a nag. Anybody can criticize. But it takes a person filled with the Spirit of God to be an encourager. You ever thought about that? When you go to work tomorrow and, and something goes wrong, anybody can nag. You at any moment can say, man, what happened there? Why? What's, what? And you just begin to nag. But to encourage, to walk up someone tomorrow and say, I just want you to know that I prayed for you this morning and I hope you have a blessed day. That takes work. And when the Bible says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged, anybody can do that. But if you want to encourage your child, it takes work. It takes effort. A child learns what he lives. If he lives with criticism, he does not learn responsibility. He learns to condemn himself and to find fault in others. Number four, don't set unrealistic goals. Parents can do that by never rewarding them. 
Never letting them feel they have succeeded. Nothing is enough. So the children never get full approval. Such parents are often trying to make their children into something that they themselves were not. Their results can be tragic. Men, don't make your child be successful in a sport just because you were not. Don't make your child try to be the hero of the ball team to relive your glory days. Ball is important. Now, I'm not against t-ball, not against coach pitch, not against the, the, the baseball and the cheerleading and all of those activities where kids can learn respect to authority. But don't force it upon them and don't make that the center of their life. Don't take the place of Jesus in their life. Don't set unrealistic goals. And the number five, set standards for your home. This is the flip side of overprotection. When parents fail to discipline or discipline inconsistently, children are left on their own. They cannot handle that kind of freedom and they begin to feel insecure. They begin to feel unloved. So set some standards in your home. Moms, Dad, maybe you need to go home today and sit down with your children and say, okay, here's some standards. And sometimes you need to look at your children and say, child, mom and dad hadn't been perfect. Would you join me in prayer as we ask the Lord to help mom and daddy be godly parents? What do you think that's going to do for your child? Your child will look up to you and say, Mom and Dad are trying to do their best to the glory of God. They're not perfect. But instead, they're trying their best with the help of the Holy Spirit of God. And I want to help with that. Man, did you do your homework last week? I know I didn't ask the wives because the wives did. I told you going home to lunch, they were just spitting out your expectations for marriage, but men, did you do yours? You say, I, I, I forgot. Well, go back and do that if you haven't had a chance to do that. Here's your homework for next week when it comes to your kids. Number one, two things I want you to do. Number one, I want you this week to tell three encouraging words to your child. You say, Brother John, don't make me do that. I told you it's going to take work. Three encouraging words to your child. It may be verbally. I encourage that. Maybe through a, through a text message. It may be something, but I encourage you to do that. And the number two, I want you to sit down with your children and go over five expectations that you have as a parent for your child. If your child doesn't know what to expect, if they don't know what to do, then how can they know what to do? So you sit down and you say, these are five things as a child that we expect you to do. We want to raise you up to be just like Jesus Christ. Your purpose in life and the motivation for obedience is that you're living for the Gospel and you're living for growth. And we want to help you in that. And here are five things that we expect you to do. We expect you to maybe help around the house. What that's going to do is cause us to all work together. Maybe there are some expectations here. We want you to uh, uh, read your Bible daily. And if we ask you to read your Bible daily, then son, you can turn to me anytime and say, Daddy, what did you read this morning? See, we can't expect our children to do something if we're not doing it. So sit down, three encouraging words, and then five expectations for your children. Remember what the Scripture says, children, 
Obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Let's pray. Father, we need your Holy Spirit's power in our families today. Lord, as we illustrated this morning about how a husband and wife come together and they're joined hand in hand. God, there are so many things that are pulling families apart. And God, the only thing that will pull them back together is to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. God, I ask this morning if there's a mom, a dad, or a child that doesn't know Jesus as their personal Savior, God, today they would repent of their sins and accept You as their personal Savior. So what I ask today, if you're calling one, if you're knocking on the door of someone's heart, that in just a moment as we have an invitation, Lord, that they would come. Maybe it's a dad. Come down and say, Brother John, I, I need some help. I need Jesus Christ to save me today. Maybe it's a mom. Maybe it's a grandparent. Maybe it's a teenager. Maybe it's a child. So those that need to be saved, Father, would they come? At the same time, Lord, we lift up our families. There may be some who need to come and just lay at this altar and say, Lord, we need Your help. We need Your help. Just as marriage without Jesus is impossible, a godly marriage, godly parenting without Jesus is impossible. Lord, I thank You for these guests who are here this morning. Many, Lord, who may have been visiting for quite a while, Lord, if this is where You've directed them to come and to join, to be a part, Lord, they can come and unite with this fellowship. We ask all these things in Your precious name. Amen.